Hello everyone, today we have an exciting episode with Sebastian, a Belgian who used to live in the UAE, Dubai, and now lives in Poland. Today we talk about not only financial independence, but also effective altruism, how to help others, how to find a fulfilling career, how to make the a world a better place, so, so quite some deep and interesting topics. In this episode, I'll be interviewing him by myself. Both Matthias and Alvar were occupied with life, you know, kids and jobs and stuff. But it's very interesting. We get into very interesting topics. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. So, hello everyone. Today we have a very exciting episode with Sébastien from Belgium, but who used to live in UAE. A friend of uh, Steve, who we interviewed in episode 8, I think. This is um, quite cool to be able to interview uh, someone else who used to live in uh, the UAE. So yeah, uh, Sebastian, without further ado, please tell us a bit who you are and what do you do? Yeah. Hi, Arminta. Thanks for having me on, on your podcast. It's an honor and uh, it's great to hear that you already have interviewed Steve in the past because we cover a lot of the same topics around investing financial independence in the UAE. So it's great that you have that background and maybe we'll refer to some of, some of those discussions. So my name is Sebastian. I um, I was in the UAE for seven years. I'm originally from Belgium, as you said, and I recently moved to Poland with my wife and we're expecting a baby soon. So that's why we're here close to her family. So that's, that's sort of the personal background. I, I have a background as a consultant and manager in sustainable energy technologies. And I worked in that area in the Middle East. And I discovered financial independence about five years ago and very quickly rearranged my life around this. And so I quit my job at the end of July last year. So yeah, we're financially independent. And now we're looking at what else uh, life has to offer. So we're in that, in that phase where we've, we've sorted the, the, the money aspects of our lives. And yeah, we're starting a new chapter with baby and, and then yeah, fulfillment purpose outside of just looking for money. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool that you're at that stage. We don't get to meet a lot of people like that. But uh, you're officially... Well, officially, you're, you're financially independent and now you're just like looking at what else has life has to offer. And that's what I really want to like dive uh, into in this episode is what does life have to offer? We're all asking ourselves these questions, but normally we're so busy working that we don't really ask ourselves those questions. But now yeah. that you have the time and the energy to do so, it's going to be quite interesting. So really tell us a bit how you're going to approach this. How are you really going to start looking for what it is you want to do now? Yeah, so it's, it's a question that has been on my mind for a long time. Actually, ever since I've known about FI, I've known that I was going to quit my job at some point. And so I've been asking myself what, what I was going to do next, right? So the big question is what next? And I realized during my career that I was mostly driven by impact. And so really all my career decisions, um, going back to uni for second master and a lot of the things I did during my working life were driven by trying to have a bigger impact. And so I knew that I was going to look for ways to continue having an impact post-FI and post, say, paid career. 
And so initially, I thought it was going to be in, um, in the same field, so energy management, but mostly for poverty at elevation, so bringing energy to the poor. And I did some work on that during my, my studies, and I built um, a little Paco hydropower plant in Peru, so in the mountains, in places where they didn't have electricity. So this is the sort of stuff that's been driving me a lot. But I didn't know where to go from there, because reaching FI is basically having all options open in front of you all of a sudden. And we don't have the same restrictions as we used to have, right? All of a sudden, we can choose what we do with our time without any financial constraints, but also without really having to look at what our CV says and what society expects of us and a lot of different aspects that used to guide our career decisions. So it was, it was a bit confusing for, for a year or two when I was thinking about these questions and I didn't really know where to go. But then as I was searching and reading books and going on websites, etc., I came across another movement that's quite similar to uh, financial independence, really. It's called effective altruism. And it's a rather young movement as well, maybe 10-year-old, that really looks at ways we can do the most good with the resources we have. So there's a lot of um, ethical discussions and philosophical discussions behind all of this. But it's also very practical. So effective altruism is a community of people who are trying to make the world a better place in the most effective manner possible. And that really changed how I looked at post-FI dramatically because all of a sudden there was a group, basically a community that, was, that had been doing research on how to do the most good. And I found that this could be a very good guide for my own life going forward. So I, I just jumped, I, I dove into this research and it helped me a lot. And one thing that helped me even more than just finding out about the research, is learning about the decision-making processes they use to compare different things. So something that's quite powerful is to look at different options of what you can do with your life and using different parameters and grading them, grading this, each of these options on, on those parameters. Say there's three axes and on each axe you give a, a rating for the option and then you multiply and you have sort of a, you come up with the volume value of that option then that helps you compare different options yeah, according to those criteria. And I found that really, really helpful. I don't know if that, that's clear when, when explained like this. We'll get into uh, a bit more detail later, but really effective altruism, yeah, it's, it's a website, it's a movement. I honestly discovered it through you. I had never heard of it before and I was actually quite fascinated. Yeah. There's this little or big group of people that are just dedicating their lives to finding what fulfills them. So I, I yeah. thought that was pretty cool. And they, they also talk a lot about, uh, a lot about the 80,000 hours yeah. concept. Could you talk a bit about that? And then we'll dive into, you know, how to decide and, and all these different options you were, you were talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. So 80,000 hours is the name of one of the organizations that's part of effective altruism. And the name comes from realizing that in our, in our normal career, we have about 80,000 hours of productive time. What's supposed to be productive, right? <laughs> And they basically look at what we can do with those 80,000 hours. It's a huge resource that each of us really has at the beginning of their, of their working career. And they look at the best way each of us can basically use these resources to do the most good. And so they do a lot of research on uh, what are the jobs that have the highest impact in terms of making the world a better place and also provide a lot of advice to individuals or to people in general for them to find what suits them the best, right? To at the same time do the most good, but also to find something that brings them fulfillment because it's a good personal fit, uh, because it has all of the advantages of a good working place, et cetera, et cetera. 
So that's that's a very strong community and one that I turn to for inspiration for what I'm going to do next, for sure. Yeah, so I, I checked it out. It's like 80,000 hours or website where, and they have this amazing ebook that I'm reading week by week because I was like, well, I'm not going to read it all in one go. <laughs> and it's basically literally how to find a good job. And and it's amazing for, yeah. for young people. When I discovered this, I was like, this is what we need. This is what we're looking for. And I, I instantly... I wish it was there when I started. <laughs> I yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, once I read through it, I'm going to, you know, write about it and maybe share a bit to other people my age, because I think it could be, could be really interesting. Yeah. And so you yourself, how have you applied this, these 80,000 hours? I mean, you're halfway, let's just say you're 33, right? You're halfway yeah. through your career, let's just say. So maybe you don't have 80,000, <laughs> but you'll have, what, 40,000? <laughs> what will you do? Uh, or how are you planning on applying th- this theory to your, to your own life? I think there's more than 40,000 hours ahead of productive time yes, in my course, life. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course, of course. Uh, but yeah, from, the, from a standard perspective, I think f- since I'm FI, it could also be zero. But I, I do realize that fulfillment doesn't come from doing nothing or doing the stuff only for myself. Uh, it really comes for me from having an impact, helping people around me, but also beyond just my immediate surrounding. So the advice is really written for young graduates or, or, or young adults, really more around your age, but it applies to everyone at, at any age. So it applies to me too right now. The difference is probably that I have already some career capital, which is a word that they use a lot to describe my experience and um, maybe my network, etc. And I can use that career capital in one way or another, or I can start from zero. So I would say that's the difference between you and me if we were to, to look at how 80,000 hours can help us decide what's best next. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the different options. And as I was saying earlier, a few years ago, it was overwhelming that there were way too many open options. And so 80,000 hours really helps prioritize where I could help, right? So they've done a lot of research, not only 80,000 hours, but the other effective altruism organizations, there's quite a few of them, on what are the most important problems in the world. And then 80,000 hours advises people how to basically go and contribute to solving them. And so for myself, there's, there's a number of options. I'm looking at mostly existential risks. So these are the things in the world that basically threaten uh, human civilization in one way or another, whether it's... Um, uh, wiping out a civilization completely or damaging advanced civilization and maybe the, the loss of knowledge, etc. And some examples of, of those threats are, um, well, global warming is one, although it's probably um, overrated compared to other risks that are way more important, such as nuclear warfare, um, bio-risk, also um, safety around artificial intelligence, etc. So these are, these are the, the key issues that I'm looking at at the moment. Yeah, so for you, or or for you, in general, a fulfilling career is something that includes impact, that includes helping others, and that solves one of the world's problems. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. And I I find that these are important aspects of it. It's not all of it, obviously. Mm -hmm. I like to look at fulfillment from the Japanese perspective. I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of ikigai. Nope. So ikigai is... (laughs) sort of um, a philosophy of self-development and fulfillment happiness in Japan. It's, it's, I think it's quite ancient, but it's been brought back to, to the West um, via a couple of books uh, in the last decade or so. And basically what they say is that if you want to live a long and happy life, so we're looking at longevity here as well, you need to have a hikigai. And, and that means doing something with your life that uh, fits 
within this a Venn diagram of four circles. And one circle is what you love to do. Another circle is what you're good at. The third circle is what you can get paid for. And finally, what the world needs. And I quite like that visual representation of how to find Ikigai. So Ikigai is kind of in something in the center there that, that meets all four of these criteria. I love That's that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add that diagram in the show. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and so looking at that diagram, how does one even get started on looking for that right career, that fulfilling career? Yeah. Um, personally, I tell other people my age, I tell them, you know, uh, work on your money-making skills, do an internship, uh, read a lot, listen to podcasts, whatever it is, do, go to a lot of, you know, these interesting events. And keep searching. But how would you tell someone to look or, or find that career? Yeah. So I think the way you present it to your, to your friends and colleagues is, you know, the, the usual message we hear in the FI community, which is focus on look at where you can make money using your talents and your interests. And I think that that's valid, right? It's valid and it's been, it's, it's been what I've been told for, for a long time. Sometimes we even told discover your passion and then you pursue your passion. <laughs> and to be honest, I've, I've thought about what my passion could be and I don't think I could make money from any kind of passion or they're not really passion. It's kind of, so I'm not sure if those, those advice, uh, at least the one on passion, I'm not sure if that's valid really. I start from a different place now and based on a Nikki guy, for example, I think it's important to start with looking at what you can do to make the world a better place. So that's, that's basically looking at what the world needs and what you're good at. And the reason I'm saying this is because once you found what the world needs and you have, you know, a way of fixing it, you're basically bringing a solution to a real world problem. And that has value. So you will get paid for that. And because it has value, because you're good at it, and probably because you get better and better at it, you get to love that stuff, right? I mean, when you're doing good around you, you can't help but feel good about it. You, you get the recognition, get the support, you get the pay. And that can turn into a passion. But I think we need to start from a different place than what we normally hear. So yes, skills. But the, the truth is we don't really know what skills we have until we try, right? Uh, but mostly working on a problem that's important and making a difference. And, and that, is, that is really crucial. And I think that's what 80,000 Hours is, is answering. And the whole effective altruism movement is really pushing for it. I think that's the key, the key to fulfillment in the long term. It's interesting you say that because you need to find something that you that helps or solves the world's problem and that you're good at. Well, that's funny because I'm doing exactly that. Well, I don't know if I'm doing exactly that, but I'm doing something similar mm -hmm. and yeah. I'm I'm making zero from it. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how uh, I don't know how that works. So my it's my blog. Yeah. I think I am solving a world's problem, which is lack of financial education, and I think I am pretty okay at writing. Yet, uh, no, no money. It's been a year. I, I don't know. What, what, <laughs> what do yeah. you suggest then? Is this a fulfilling career? Is this maybe the wrong career to follow? Is it even a career? What would you say about that? There's an interesting paradox in working in the financial independence movement in a way. I'm doing that too. I'm, I guess, I'm not sure if you know, but I, I founded simplyfi.org. It's a community in the UAE. And we help people learn how to invest and reach financial independence. And it's really community-based, is run by volunteers, so we do everything for free. And the really this works is because we're not charging people for the stuff we do, but, but we could. But it's because we want to be consistent with our message, which is manage your money effectively. You don't need to pay expensive advisors to, to get your stuff sorted. All the knowledge is really out there for free. And so in, in a way, this is what our audience expects. 
And so it is a very tricky place to actually make money. And aside from some of the bigger bloggers, most bloggers really don't make much. Yeah, no, most bloggers don't, don't make much. Maybe, maybe the top 10 or top 20 bloggers, you know, will, will do, can make a living out of it. But things like um, some of the guys who are running Rockstar Finance, I don't even know if they make enough to support their own lifestyle with it. It does help them. But so even at that level, I don't know if that's the wrong career. I think it probably does remain something that we do on the side. Yeah, I don't know if it's recognized enough as, a, as an issue for it to be paid as a full-time job, right? And I don't know if there's enough high-level organizations that recognize it, that there's a need for it, and that are basically paying you for it. Mm-hmm. If, if you were working for an institute that works on financial education, I think, yes, then, then that, that is a real job, and that is, you know, there's a recognition that there's a need there um, with funding behind it. But yeah, as freelance and as bloggers, it's, I think it's difficult. Yeah, well, uh, I guess that that world is maybe just a bit like different, unique in that way that it's not as easy. But mm-hmm. um, that was my personal case. Someone else, so imagine someone my age, would you recommend them to, you know, try and aim for financial independence or completely do something else? Or as you say, look for what fulfills them? Because the thing is that if, if you look for what, if you keep searching for what fulfills you, uh, it might take some time before you mm-hmm. make some money. So you do need some something to, to survive on the way. Uh, and that's why financial independence is there. So, so yeah. would you recommend someone to aim for financial independence and fulfillment at the same time? Or how, how would you, you know, make that into a, a strategy that would work? I think we need to recognize that financial independence or money in general is really just only a tool. And it's a very important tool in today's world. So it's one that we cannot afford to neglect. Now, because it's only a tool, it's also not the only way to get to a good life. And certainly there's a point at which we have enough of it. And whether that's FI or a stable job that pays well, you know, that, that's, that's fine. I think people do find fulfillment without getting to FI, probably more often than not, more often than the other way around. And there's people that are FI and are not fulfilled and actually end up going back to work. So I don't think FI is the solution for, say, a happy and fulfilled life. It's, it's a very strong and powerful tool, yes. So someone starting and someone who's aware of FI, I would say use that knowledge, build that tool, um, you know, create opportunities for yourself. Uh, it gives you more choice in the research for fulfillment as well, because in the end, uh, people that are in the FI community are doing that. They are looking for fulfillment. They're not happy in their job. They think quitting is their only answer. Um, and I disagree with that. So I think it's about searching what really works for you, what makes you tick in, in something that you would be doing on a regular basis. And FI gives you the opportunity to do that, even if it's not paid. So maybe there is something there, right? But I don't think it's the answer by itself. Yeah, I, I like what you said. FI is a tool. And, and I completely agree with that. Financial dependence is a way of, you know, escaping the rat race so that you can finally do whatever you want. What would you say to the people who reach financial independence? And there are a few people who do this. I mean, a few bloggers mm-hmm. uh, that reach financial independence and then, and then they never do something productive again. Let's just say they, they travel the world, they paint, they, they do creative stuff, which might not be solving anyone's problems, but mm-hmm. they still find it fulfilling. What would you say to them? I think that's perfectly fine too. I, I believe that helping or doing something for others uh, is something that we all do naturally, maybe on, on a more smaller scale just around us. So with our family and friends, 
And most of the, the people who reach FI actually do that and spend a lot of time caring for the people around them and, and caring for themselves. So traveling and self-discovery and realizing yourself through art uh, and creativity, these are all extremely important things you do for yourself to take care of yourself, things that you probably were missing while working. So I think it's important to take time to, to not jump, say, say in, in my example, I, I stopped working now about six months ago and for, for a while I really did nothing and I was happy doing nothing, right? So I think that that's fine and it can, it can be a few months, it can be a few years. The risk is if we don't find something fulfilling after some time, because if we feel useless, <laughs> it's a bit depressive. I think it has, there are risks there. There are things that work gives us and that are difficult to find outside unless you go look for it. And then what I would tell people who reach FI is to realize what a unique position they're in. It's, for me, I see FI as, as a tool, but also as a superpower in the sense that it gives us so many different options. It allows us to spend time on really whatever we want and go work on problems for, big or small that no one else might be working on. It's, we really are reclaiming thousands of hours of productive time, years of life, right? To do something uh, that might be bigger than ourselves. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm sometimes a bit disappointed that we don't talk much about this in the FI community. And I think it's just that we don't realize two things. One is that we have a superpower that really can make a big difference in the world. And two, that long-term fulfillment comes from, th there is a component of service there, of helping others, making the world a better place that we sometimes forget. Nice. Yeah, I like that. So yeah, you reach financial dependence, but it's good to have in mind what you're going to do after that. What is it that you're going to dedicate mm -hmm. all those hours to? Yeah. And what I'm wondering now is you mentioned a few uh, of the global problems at the moment, climate change, etc. Yeah. What are really the world's most pressing problems? What are the ones that you think we really should be dedicating all our hours to? So they're, you know, they're, they're the ones I think that are the most important, but they're mostly those that have been identified by effective altruism because there's hundreds of people doing research on this and thinking about those issues. So I'm, I'm really just summarizing what anyone can find on, on those websites and articles. Maybe starting from you know, the basis, I think the way effective altruism and 8,000 hours identify those problems and the most pressing problems is to look at basically all the problems and look at whether they are great in scale, highly neglected, and highly solvable. So they'll focus on things that affect a lot of people's life by a great amount. They'll focus on things that very few people are working on or on problems that are not really being addressed at the moment. And they'll focus on problems that really get solved as we add more resources to them, right? So it's making sure that it's great in scale, neglected, and solvable. And these problems are those where we can make the most difference with each additional unit of effort. And so a summary of their, their findings is that we should look at improving the long-term future. So this is the, the, the existential, existential risks I told you earlier about. So biosecurity, nuclear security, artificial intelligence, safety and alignment, etc. But also things like fighting extreme poverty and global health, because those problems are neglected. We do speak about them a little bit. But the amount of funding and the effort that goes into solving them is, is really small. And every, dollars, every dollar that goes into solving the problem actually has a much bigger impact than anything we could do locally, right? So one example I like to use here is 
it takes about $30,000 to train a dog to help the blind in, say, the, the UK or in Europe. It takes just $100, maybe, to cure someone from blindness in Africa. Uh, I think it's less than that. It's maybe 50. But, but so with the same amount of money we spend on training one dog in the West, uh, we could save hundreds of kids from blindness in Africa. And this is true for so many other problems. So every dollar that goes in helping the extreme poor really does, um, has a massive impact. So as, as individuals in the West, we can save lives. We can literally save lives in the poorest countries just by donating a bit of money. So that's, that's a big, big area. One that's quite interesting and, and rather new is animal suffering. And that is looking at the well-being of animals in, in factory farms. It's, it's quite an odd cause area, um, but that, that's rather normal for effective altruism in the sense that they're looking at stuff that's neglected, so people don't really talk about them, right? So animal suffering, if you consider that they can feel pain, then there's a, a huge amount of pain inflicted upon animals in, in the whole in the food industry. And it's actually pretty easy to alleviate that pain, minimize it, and help reduce a lot of the suffering in the world just, just there, yeah. And then there's, there's a couple of other areas. One is global priorities research. So that's trying to identify what the biggest problems are and how to solve them. So it's basically increasing that understanding. And finally, um, community building. Uh, so increasing the awareness about effective altruism. And basically, me speaking to you now is, is doing that, right? There's two things that I really, really like about what you're, what you're telling me. The first one is that it's very logical, what you're saying. It's very like listed in a list format with, uh, okay, we need to solve this problem, this problem, this problem, and we can do it like this, like this, like this. And, and here's, yeah, I can do that. And I love that. That means that, yeah. you know, it's accessible for anyone. And that's also why I really like the Effective Altruism website. You can spend hours there. Uh, and on the 80,000 website also, you can just spend hours just checking out all, the, all that they have to say on, you know, helping the world and all that. It's, it's pretty crazy. And the second thing that, I, that is pretty crazy is that we're so focused on financial independence, on ourselves, on getting to this number, on finally being free, that we forget that there's this entire world out there that also needs our help. And while you're just telling me this, you, it makes you realize that, yes, yeah, it's, it's very important to reach five, but maybe, you know, uh, giving, which is another big part of the financial independence community, I think, mm -hmm. but giving and helping and donating your time is also so important. So yeah, j just by thinking about these things, you realize that maybe, you know, you, you don't need to be in such a rush to reach that number if you're going to be fulfilled by helping others. Maybe your goal shouldn't be reaching that number. Your goal should be traveling and, and, and helping a, a charity build a new school, for example. And, and you won't need to, to reach that number so quickly because you'll be already happy what you're doing. So I do agree with you that m we need to think more there's not enough awareness in the FI community of, you know, fulfillment and, and all that. And I think that's, that's really interesting. I don't know, uh, don't know what you think about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It's the whole movement is quite new, right? And it's just getting known now. And yeah, it, it's a shame that in the FI community, we solely focus on, we mostly focus on the number and then how we can make ourselves, you know, individually happy, you know, only the lives. Yeah, I think I think we we can do better, I would say. Especially us, right? Because we will we are more free, we're more financially educated than the rest. Especially us are the ones who, you know, can help others and uh start all these, you know, amazing campaigns and charities and all yeah. that. So you're really yeah, you're right. I, I should do more of that. 
I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay, for example, me or, or someone else who's just a normal person doing their thing every day, what do you think we can do to uh, take care of this bigger problem? I mean, yes, we can educate ourselves, read all the websites and listen to the podcast, but should we just donate money or should you think, do you think we should also, or, or how can we involve ourselves more into these issues, you think? I think educating yourself and, and making yourself more aware of these issues and discussing them with people around you or on some of the Facebook groups. I mean, there's some great Facebook groups there. There's some great blogs as well on, on these topics, the same way they exist for the DeFi community. And there are several ways to help, yes. So donating is one way. The DeFi community is obviously very well positioned there, although it's not easy to know how easily people will you know, give away money when they work so hard to get it. We're pretty good at making money and keeping it, right? <laughs> So I'm not sure how much you know, the community would be donating, but there are people doing that. Another, another area where we can contribute is simply yeah, being part of the community and helping raise awareness around those issues and around this knowledge. And finally is to take an active role. I think especially people in the FI community have that opportunity to do something beyond themselves because they've taken care of themselves. I mean, once you reach a comfortable level of, of personal finance, you're in a position where you can, you can do something for others more than those who don't know much about personal finance. If, if someone is looking to get into one of these problem areas and, and want to take an active role, the best way to do that is to learn about them and then select one or two problems that really speak to you. So some people it will be, for some people, it will be animal suffering, right? Because that, that's a big cause. And all of a sudden, effective altruism gives you a, such an effective way of relieving animals from pain and suffering. It's incredible. It's so powerful. So if, if you're touched by animals' rights or animal suffering, yeah, just knowing about effective altruism uh, really can times 10 or times 1,000 the impact you can make. So yeah, pick a, a problem that you want to address. And then there are so many ways to help on those problems because it's the communities don't on, only need specialists and researchers, but also policy analysts and researchers and staff that will help with operations and, and managers and accountants and secretaries. and uh, website designers and data analysts, all of that is needed. So all the skills we have in the financial independence community, all of those skills are needed to also make the world a better place. So we are, yeah, we are in a very good position to help each of us, I think, individually. Yeah, you're right. And apart from uh, the effective altruism movement, do you know of any others who might be, you know, looking for people to contribute or who are also trying to inspire people to have more fulfilling jobs do you, is there any other movement you know of effective altruism is, is one website but it's tens and tens of organizations and sub-organization ngos etc so i'm i don't know of any other movement you know that looks at this in this from this specific perspective but within ea there there are a lot of different ways of looking at how to make the world a better place and fulfillment comes right in there actually there might be another movement the only other movement that i'm i could think of that looks at well-being while at work or well-being in a career is something called reinventing organizations. So it's, it started from a book written by Frédéric Laloux, who's a French author, that really revolutionizes the way firms can be managed to really empower the individuals and, and help with the fulfillment of the individuals. And yeah, they have a beautiful way of, of looking at authority, decision-making, and a lot of the issues that today we see in, in, in most of the big firms. That model seems to be solving a lot of them, especially the well-being aspect. So that, that might be another, another approach, looking at those firms 
Awesome. So if anyone uh, listening wants to do more good in the world, uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Go check out Effective Altruism or Reorganizing... Uh, Reinventing Organizations. Reinventing Organizations. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, our time is up. So uh, first, number one, where can people find you online? Right, so I have started a, a blog just a few months ago called impactivated.com. That's how about basically doing the most positive impact we can and now to activate that within ourselves. And I speak about financial independence and doing good, better, etc. Also, uh, Impactivate is on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, etc. And I would like to start a Facebook group for people in the FI community interested in doing good, better or having a positive impact. So, so that's called FI for impact. Nice. And then I've done a lot of work for simplyfi.org. So people can find me there too, otherwise on Facebook with my name. Nice. Question number two. What is one resource not well-known that you would recommend to others? Not well-known. Yeah, we spoke a lot about 80,000hours.org here. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's well-known now. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't use that one, but this is an incredible source. So uh, I would yes, recommend it I anyway. I would say the next best thing for someone who's looking at financial independence in a more non-traditional way and maybe more for the side hustle or entrepreneurial path, uh, check pop-up business school. Mm -hmm. UK-based, yeah. Alan Donegan. These guys are amazing. They're working. The work they're doing is, is incredible. Uh, helping people start businesses with almost no money down, no loans. Very. I, I mean, I would highly recommend him for, as a guest on your podcast. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Well, we're thinking of getting one on. So Because Alvar has met him in person. Uh, yeah. My co-host has met him. So yeah, he's going to be on, I think. He's awesome. Day. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that's my one resource I would recommend. Cool. And question number three, what is your number one actionable tip for someone to get started on their path to financial independence? Yeah, it won't surprise people. I think it's not to focus too much on money. It's, it's really just a tool. And so make sure that you look at it as a tool, but you focus on what matters, which is life and how to find fulfillment, I guess. Yeah, I, I like that. And actually on our Choose a Fi episode uh, that was aired last week, we talked a bit about this, that you shouldn't focus on money. Yes, but... You want to have it in control, right? So yeah. you should focus on money in order to have it in control so that once that's out of the way, you have enough headspace to focus on really what, what really matters, yeah, which is beautiful. life, as you say. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you're right. Okay, Sebastian, thank you very much. It was really interesting to talk to you and I think people will be more fulfilled as a result <laughs> of it. So that's pretty I'm cool. Hoping so, yeah. And uh, yeah, see you on the, I don't know, around Poland. Yeah, yeah see you around. <laughs> Thanks, Arminta. Thanks a lot. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.